I tell you, it's getting closer and closer to Christmas. If you haven't gotten your shopping done, you've only got a few days left. And uh, I hope you get it all done. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to follow a group like that singing that uh, that good music. I mean, it was really popping, wasn't it? it was, I, I liked it. I was preaching a revival meeting over in Marina near the, near the ocean. And... Uh, we had a a group that came in and, and the guy was doing a rap, you know, right before I preached. He was rapping and he was good. And I was sitting there listening to him and thinking, how am I going to follow this? And so while he was rapping, well, I wrote down some things, you know, like a rap. And so I stood up and I said, well, I've got a good sermon that I want to preach tonight. I hope that you will like it because it's all filled with light. And when to its end, we will surely arrive. I'm going to ask you for a decision about the subject that I preach. And the people all looked at me and applauded. And I said, well, I can rap a little bit too, you know. Just just because you have an old preacher, you don't have to have a dead one, you know. I, you know, I heard about a preacher that dreamed that he was standing in a pulpit preaching and he woke up and sure enough was. And I, and I thought, oh, I, I don't want to preach a sermon like that. I want to preach a good sermon. Well, here we are. It's getting closer to Christmas all the time. And today I'm going to share with you something that you already know. But you need to be retold with renewed interest, with intensity and with unction. Now, I can't explain unction to you. I know that in one church, a deacon went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, you you need unction when you preach. And the pastor said, well, deacon, what in the world is unction? And he said, I can't rightly tell you so, but you ain't got it. <laughs> well, we need some unction as, uh, as we preach. We need to, uh, some unction in our gumption in order to function. And uh, that's what I want to do this morning. And so here's the subject that I want us to be thinking about. It is that Jesus is the reason for the season that we celebrate at Christmas time. Can you say amen? Yeah. You see, my text today uh, for this message is Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Now, Galatians has been called the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. It's the sketch for the finished product that we have in the book of Romans. Uh, read Galatians and then go back and read Romans for the full explanation of it. And my purpose for us today uh, is to consider several aspects relating to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The outline is printed in the insert of today's worship folder, or it was. I, is it Donna? I, I looked in my folder and didn't see it. Okay, well, that, that settles it. Hey, that's okay, but we, what, what, what you'll see on the screen today, it gives you the answers for it all anyway, and if you listen up, you know, where if you'll stay up with me, I'll talk as fast as I can, you listen as fast as you can, and maybe we'll all finish at the same spot. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> All right. Listen, my wife and I love Christmas, this Christmas season, and we prepare all year for it. Bev is always shopping with Christmas on her mind. I, my wife was born to shop. 
she gets up at four or five o'clock of the morning and turns on QVC and home shopping channels and she watches that stuff and orders that stuff and uh, uh, we, we're on a first name basis with the UPS man. I mean, he knows uh, he, he knows when he comes to our house. Uh, I think that he's going to come in and have coffee with us one of these days. Uh, it, it won't take long. Uh, but my wife, you know, my wife is a shopper. I think I told you about her once before. Um, she went out and, and she was shopping and I told her, I said, honey, we don't have any money. And she said, I'll just window shop. And I said, all right, window shop, but don't buy anything. We don't have enough money. She said, all right. She was gone for about three hours. She came home and she had a new outfit that she bought. And I said, honey, why did you do that? I told you just window shop. She said, yes. Yeah, but, but I went by and I saw this outfit in the window and it looked really nice. And she said, I wanted to go in and, and try it on. So I did. And it looked really nice. And I said, but I told you that if anything like that happens, just tell the devil to get behind you. And she said, I did. And he said, it looks good from back here, too. And, you know, <laughs> hey, guys, you you can't stop them. I mean, they've got the answer for everything. Well, uh, there's there's definitely an effort being made in America to get real to get rid of the real meaning of Christmas. While 96% of Americans celebrate Christmas, one look and you can see that our culture is eroding, is erasing, and is attempting to eliminate all references to Christmas. A few years ago, the American Humanist Association launched their own anti-Christian campaign with a Santa holding a sign that said, Why believe in God? Just be good for good goodness sake. In this way, the the secularists are prevailing in systematically demolishing the hope of our children, the faith of America, and the future of Christmas. More recently, uh, in in the news, uh, an atheist group unveiled a sign in in the Washington State Capitol of Olympia, uh, and they unveiled a sign next to a Christian nativity scene and a holiday tree uh, and the sign installed with permission reads at this season of the winter solstice may reason prevail there are no gods no devils no angels no heaven or hell there is only our natural world religion is but myth and superstition that hardens hearts and enslaves minds. Fox News commentator Bill O'Reilly said, this is political correctness gone mad. And I want to say, amen. Uh, Those atheists are the people in whom the milk of human kindness has curdled. They've been vaccinated with green persimmon juice and they've been weaned on sour pickles. Can you say amen to that? (laughs) You see, this year, in 2014, atheists in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, have placed a letter to Santa on billboards around the city that say, Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is to skip church. I'm too old for fairy tales. 
pity the people that that think that way. Well, I want you to look with me this morning in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read the text and then I'm going to preach as fast as I can today. So you've got to stay up with me and we're going to come out uh, close to noontime. So, you know, you'll still be able to eat your lunch all right. All right. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come... God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And God will bless the reading of his word to our lives. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for another opportunity to look in your word, to be guided by your spirit, and to make decisions that will honor you. We pray today that you'll move mightily in our midst, that you'll calm our fears, that you'll you'll strengthen our resolve. And Father, that you'll fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory because of what you've done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we leave this place today, we might leave built up in the faith, knowing in whom we have believed, knowing, Father, that you have a a plan and a purpose for our lives, knowing that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, and you take care of every need that we have. And may we be a blessing to others as we leave and as we live our lives in the community where you've placed us. Help us, Lord, to let our light shine, I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, please keep your Bible open, and, and uh, I'll do my best. To, I'm going to have to eliminate some of the things that I was going to say to you today because I, I want to get through all of the message. But the, the pastor of a church here in California put a sign out in front of the, the church during the Christmas season that said, Jesus is the reason for the season. Merry Christmas. And then he received a complaint for, from a woman in the community who took exception with the message. And she closed the conversation by saying, I don't think the church should try to drag religion into every holiday. Uh, Some people seem to have a propensity to always articulate their ignorance. You know, you need to be careful when you talk because what's down in the well will come up in the bucket usually when you least expect it. Amen. I heard about a little boy that was watching a preacher who was working, uh, building something on the back of his house. And the preacher looked at the little boy and said, son, what you looking at me for? And he said, I'm waiting to see what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with the hammer. (laughs) It may be very interesting. (laughs) Well, we live in a we live in a world that seems to be out of out of control. Um. I want to use that pastor's message. Jesus is the reason for the season. And he he really is. Uh, His birthday in just over 2,000 years ago was the greatest happening in all of history. And uh, we need to rethink it. We need to to talk about it. We need to exalt in it. Uh, We need to constantly give Jesus the place of priority in our lives. Do you know? that in the four gospels the name Jesus which is God's favorite name for his son the name Jesus in the four gospels is mentioned over 500 times 
And in all of the New Testament, the name Jesus is mentioned 909 times. And I want to tell you that the reason for the season is Jesus. Jesus, his birth, his life. And then, of course, we we must go to Calvary and talk about his death. And then, of course, we must go to the open tomb and see his resurrection and followed by his ascension and his, uh, his seat being seated in glory, serving as our great high priest in heaven and his wonderful promise that he's coming again and he'll be king of kings and lord of lords and he will rule and he will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and here's the part he wants you to be a part of that kingdom can you say amen to that and he wants to he wants you to know that you're a part of that kingdom If you do not know that you know that you know that you're saved, then you need to get it settled today. You need to invite Jesus Christ to come in to your heart. So I want us to look, as we talk about Jesus as the reason for the season, first of all, at the record of his birth. The record of his birth. And the first reference to Jesus' birth is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Way back at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 3.15. That's the first Christmas sermon, if you please. And it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the one and between thy seed and her seed and he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel here God responded to mankind's first sin by predicting enmity that is hate and hostility between Satan and the seed of the woman now the seed of the woman is Jesus Christ the son of God the sinless son of God and this is the first uh, promise and the first prophecy of a redeemer whom God would provide and here begins the highway of the seed and the redemptive trail of blood that takes us to Bethlehem and then on to Calvary so Genesis 3.15 spoken by God to Satan uh, and it's called the protevangelium which means the first gospel it's the gospel before the gospel was given to us in the New Testament and so So uh, an extraordinary birth is prophesied in Genesis 3.15. A miraculous supernatural birth is the subject of that prophecy. And uh, uh, it it talks about a birth and a a battle and a bruising. They're all involved in that verse. Uh, And both the first coming and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ are included in that verse. Christ's crucifixion, thou shalt bruise his heel. And Christ's conquering, he shall bruise thy head. So Jesus Christ is the conqueror. Jesus Christ is the supreme ruler. Jesus Christ is the victor. If you want to find out how the everything ends, go to the last part of Revelation. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he shall reign forever. Now, 
uh, we, uh, the, the seed of the woman is a reference to our Lord Jesus Christ, and all other births would be the result of the seed of a man, but this birth would be unique in the history of the world, and this birth was to be a virgin birth that would bring forth the Redeemer of mankind. And we know that, uh, we, we know this because the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, um, he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this is the first Christmas sign. Genesis 3.15, the first Christmas sermon. Here we have the first Christmas sign. And then later on, Isaiah said in chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder." And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is the first Christmas story. And so we have the first uh, Christmas sermon, the first Christmas sign, the first Christmas story uh, set forth in the Old Testament. And then before Jesus' birth, devout readers could discern the script of his coming from the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote here, in Galatians 4 4 but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law uh, when the fullness of time was come the pleroma that is uh, the, and it's translated fullness pleroma it means the completed preparation when the completed preparation had arrived God sent forth his son God's purpose of grace extending through all of the eons and the ages and the centuries and the years the pleroma of God the the completion of his plan the full preparation of the Lord God for the coming of his son into this earth the fullness of time refers to that time when the world was providentially ready for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior and his birth at Bethlehem was not an accident it was an appointment Jesus came in the fullness of time. And so we we don't know the precise day of Jesus' birth, but we do know that it happened at exactly the proper time. It was the perfect time for Christmas. The, the fullness of time. Everything was ready. And we celebrate uh, at Christmas. What we celebrate at, at Christmas is not the date of Jesus' birth, but rather the day of Jesus' birth. Whenever it may have occurred, it is the event itself that is important, and the timing was perfect. Now, the reason I said that is that some people think that Jesus was born in December. Other people say, no, he was born in the springtime. It's it's not the idea of exactly when it was. It's the fact that it did happen, and we celebrate the day. So if you celebrate it in December, that's all right. If you want to celebrate it at another time, that's all right. But just remember who it is about. Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen. Come on, church. You you know, I've been watching some of our black preachers on television and they always get a response. And I think, boy, I'm going to I'm going to move my membership. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do it, folks. Uh, Listen, I love to have a little bit 
get a response spontaneously. Well, the, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I've told you before, Bethlehem means house of bread. And out of the house of bread came the bread of life. And why did the bread of life come out of the house of bread? Because God knew that we needed to be fed. We would die of hunger. And only Jesus can satisfy the hunger in your heart. Amen. God has placed in every, every individual a blank space that is reserved for Jesus Christ. And until he comes in and takes over that place and rules in that place, you're going to be hungry spiritually. And if you die without him, you'll be hungry spiritually for all eternity. And that's sad news. And so we have glad news at Christmas time. Jesus Christ came to be our Savior. Matthew tells us about the virgin birth of Christ in chapter 1 and verse 21. He says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, here's the thing. God sent the message, Mary's going to have a baby. She's going, to, she's going to conceive and have a baby. But she never had a union with a, a man. She never had sexual relations with a man. The Bible makes that very clear. She's a virgin. And Mary is probably 13 or 14 years old, just a young girl. And Joseph, he uh, uh, he's engaged to her. He's about 19 or 20 years old. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, and yet God selected Mary, and Mary obeyed what God said. And Joseph, he, he obeyed what God said. He didn't understand everything. They didn't know the, 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 the talk that was going to go around. But they simply obeyed God. And Mary conceived supernaturally. Uh, God placed Jesus Christ in embryo form in the womb of Mary. Now you say explain it. I can't explain it. I'm just telling you that's what happened. That's the account of it. You know the Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which he has revealed belong unto us and to our children. That we may do them. And so it's for me to be obedient, not not for me to question. You know, faith faith is is not believing in in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequence. Can you say amen to that? Regardless of what the consequence is. Mary obeyed what God said. Joseph obeyed what God said. But remember, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He came into this world by divine appointment, by divine arrangement, and uh, He came came in, in, into this world by virgin birth conception. Luke wrote in chapter 2 and verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so the scripture record of his birth is apparent, it's abundant, and it's amazing. But now let's consider also the reasons for his birth. Not only the record of his birth, but the reasons for his birth. The Bible gives the reason for, as well as the facts of Jesus' birth. And there are three significant reasons for Jesus' birth that I want us to consider this morning. First of all, he came to reveal God to humanity. Jesus came to reveal God to humanity. The Apostle John wrote in chapter 1 of John's Gospel, verse 1 and verse 14, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the verb was here 
in the Greek means was being. He, he was being. He, he always has been. And there was never a time that the word was not. And so uh, in the beginning was being the word. And the word was being with God. And the word was being God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Now, when did John uh, behold the glory in, in the Lord Jesus Christ? On the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was transfigured before them and they saw his glory. And John never forgot it and he writes about that glory. You see, when Jesus was born and as he was raised, uh, there, there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. He, he was just a, an ordinary looking man. But the glory was on the inside. And if you read the Old Testament, you find out that the glory used to be in the Holy of Holies in the temple. But the time came that the glory left. And I'm telling you that when Jesus Christ came, the glory came back in the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of God. And here's the thing. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't have it, but it's in Jesus. And that's why we need Jesus. Can you say amen to that? You can't, you're not going to be glorified. You're, n- you're not going to go to heaven without Jesus Christ, who is the glory of God, coming in to your life. And so, uh, Jesus came to reveal God to humanity. And so the birth of Jesus was not an evolution in history, but the birth of Jesus was an invasion from eternity. God invaded this world in the person of His Son. God came in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, if we want to know what God is like, we can find out by looking at Jesus Christ. Jesus is God explaining himself in a language that humans can understand. Jesus is God stooping to the level of a child's gaze. Jesus is God demonstrating indescribable love. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. You see, Jesus Christ came to be everything that we need in order that we might be and fulfill the plan that God has for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that tells us that God loves the whole world. He loves everybody in the world. He wants everybody in the world to be saved. He sent His Son in order to be the Savior of the world and Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient for every person to be saved but it's only efficient for the people that will believe in him. Amen? Amen. You see, you're not saved because he died. You're saved because you believe that he died for you. He paid your price. He paid uh, with his rich, red, royal, redeeming blood on the cross. Every sin that you committed, he paid for that and for all humanity. But it only is available to you when you trust Him, when you believe Him. You put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and then He becomes your Savior, and you have eternal life, the gift of God. Well, He came not only to reveal God, but He came also to redeem people from sin. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 that we've already read. God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And so, uh, here, Paul told 
told us who came, God's Son, and, and then He has told us when He came in the fullness of time and how He came, made of a woman. Now He explains why He came to redeem them that were under the law. Redeem means to set free by paying a price. And so He set us free. Just like the missionary talked about seeing the picture on the wall, talking about being set free. Jesus Christ died in order to set us free. He redeemed us by paying the price. You see, back in those days, a man could purchase a slave in any Roman city, either to keep the slave or uh, to release the slave, to free the the slave. And by the way, there were about 60 million slaves uh, in the Roman Empire at the time that Jesus walked on this earth. And Jesus came to set us all free. He came to redeem us from sin and from Satan. The Apostle John says in 1 John 4, 14, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. And someone may ask, well, who needs a Savior? I'm doing all right without Him. Well, Jesus gave the answer whenever He said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you want to go to heaven, um, you must receive Jesus as your Savior. Listen to the angel's announcement to Joseph about the baby from heaven. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one, And then Paul emphasized the need that everyone has for a Savior when he wrote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 And then also, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everyone without exception is guilty of sin and is doomed to death unless he has a Savior from his sins. And how did Jesus become the Savior? Well, Paul described it in concise theological terms when he said in Romans 8.3 For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And then Jesus was sin on account of sin. John wrote in 1 John 4.10 In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, the word propitiation there is, is a, you know, a, a disjointed or just a long term, double jointed term. Uh, it means a, a satisfying sacrifice. Uh, it means the place for meeting for mercy. That's what it means. He is a propitiation. He is the place for meeting for mercy for our sin. The, he is a satisfying sacrifice. The only sacrifice for sin. It's Jesus Christ. And without Him, you're still in your sins. You see, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had 
been uh, uh, for more government, God would have sent us a politician. God help us. <laughs> if our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. And if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness and salvation, so God sent us a Savior. Not two Saviors or ten Saviors or a hundred or a thousand Saviors, but just one. And His name is Jesus. He shall save His people from their sins. And then thirdly, Jesus was sent to ruin Satan and to destroy his works. 1 John 3, 8 says, The devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then in Colossians 2, 15, uh, we read, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That is, in his resurrection and ascension. He triumphed. Uh, uh, He was in the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave. He cleaned out the grave and made it a fitting place to await the resurrection. And I I tell you what, one of these days, he's going to call. It may be today. And if you're ready, and he calls today, we call that the rapture. If he comes back, you know, there are two phases to the second coming of Jesus. First phase, rapture. Second phase, revelation. Divided by the great tribulation of seven years that you read about in the book of Revelation. Wish we had time to talk about it. Don't have time. But if you're not ready for the rapture and Jesus comes, you're staying here. And if you stay here, you'll be lost forever because God will send you a strong delusion delusion that you should believe believe the lie, the Antichrist, that you might be, that, that everyone might be damned who did not receive the love of the truth. If you hear the gospel during this dispensation of grace, during this time, and you reject Jesus Christ and he takes his church out, you're doomed. You're doomed. So it's better to say yes to Jesus while you have the opportunity. Can you say amen? amen. Last thing, the relevance of his birth. Uh, his relevance has, uh, his birth has relevance universally. Universally, The Bible says in Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Therefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. There's coming a time when every person is going to bow their knee and confess with their mouth that Jesus Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It, it, it won't necessarily be a confession uh, unto salvation. It'll be a confession unto damnation because they put off the, the decision during their lifetime. But eventually, every person, every king, every president, every politician, every church member is going to bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then his birth also has personal relevance. Because Jesus was born, it's possible for you to have an altogether different life. You can be born again. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Hey, God is the God of the second chance. And the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance, and the sixth chance. If you've blown it, there's still hope for you. Jesus Christ is a wonderful Savior. And He will save you. Now, whenever He saves you, He changes you. 
And, and whenever he changes you, he changes your want to. Somebody asked me just here recently, you mean to tell me that you can sin all you want to? I said, I sin more than I want to. I sin more. If, if, but if you don't have a new want to and you just want to keep sinning, you've never been saved. You may as well face it. Get right with God and you'll get a new want to. And you'll want to please Him. You'll want to obey Him. And that's what I'm going to give you an opportunity to do right now. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. I'm inviting you, if you've never yet received Jesus Christ, to come and say, Lord Jesus Christ, today I put my trust and faith in you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being my Savior. Let us stand. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. I'll be here at the front to receive you as you come. Let let this be the time of decision. If you need to transfer your church membership or to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, let this be the day, the moment. Put down a marker and say, this is the time. I'm doing it, and I'm giving God the glory. I'll be here to receive you at the front.